3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be with my friends trying to make some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Okay, there are two ways to approach this market. You can charge into the battleground stocks... The short squeezes, the rebellions, the storming of the GameStop and Tilray gates, and of course the latest back attack. Or you can stop, look around, observe, dig in, and try to make money, recognizing discretion is the better part of valor. After a tepid day, where the Dow slipped seven points, S&P advanced 017 percent, and Nasdaq gained 0.28%. percent. I'm recommending the latter. One of the great things about the Robin Hood revolution or whatever the heck you want to call it at this point, the one that brought in 20 million new investors to the market is that many of these people had uncanny instincts. And I praise them every night. There's data from all the major brokers showing that youthful investors ran straight into the covid abyss and found it to be the land of milk and honey while the pros ran out and got nothing. Even better, many of these new investors actually did the work, the homework. They're throwbacks to a style that I love, the one pioneered by the legendary Peter Lynch from Fidelity. He consistently trounced the market for over a decade by observing great ideas in the world around him, then researching them and then buying them if they could stand the test of time. You can read more about it in his amazing book, One Up on Wall Street. That's the book that pretty much inspired my entire Wall Street career. But after the dot-com collapse, Lynch's approach did go out of stock. The new conventional wisdom says it's impossible to consistently beat the market. You're a moron for even trying, so just put your money in a nice, low-cost index fund. I think that's wrong. Although index funds are a great choice for lots of people, my view gets very little traction. I think you should own some stocks and an index fund. Last year, though, the Merriman showed up and believed in me. at least not me, but that thesis. And it ended the chapter by inv- investing. Yes, they want to go back to the Peter Lynch way. They observe the world around them. They do the homework. And then they buy. So far, so good. I find them inspiring. I learn from them every day. But then something changed. They discovered a steroidal way to make money called the GameStop Interregnum. And since then, everything's been ripped asunder, frankly. As I said last night, these crazy moves smack of frothiness, meaning there are parts of this market that are on the highway to the danger zone, because froth doesn't last. I just want to get back to the halcyon days of the research revolution. So I'm going to show you how it can work, because maybe we've forgotten. Let's start with a powerful observation you may have seen on Saturday Night Live about how Zillow has replaced more prurient behaviors because millennials want to search for homes. It's a hilarious skit. There's a reason Zillow has always been known as house porn in the real estate industry. But now, 15 years into its existence, oh, it has gone to a whole new level. This skit was amazing, hilarious. But if you were using the Peter Lynch method, you could have bought Zillow ahead of one of the biggest bought quarters of the year. The quarter that sent the stock up 17% today. If you saw this get did the homework, you would have discovered that Zillow is benefiting from what they call the great reshuffling, people leaving cities because of COVID. They've come up with new tools where you can literally sell your house on Zillow with a click, then fix it up and resell it to someone. They'll sell it to someone else. You get the check, you move, whatever. Listen to what CEO Richard Barton had to say on the conference call last night. Customers want simplicity in one click. When it is something they don't care a ton about, they just need to get it done. He goes on to cite the Amazon Prime model as his inspiration, saying, quote, what people want to do is get into their new house. Everything else is an obstacle. Yes, he's talking one-click home buying. Can you imagine? Of course, many things can go wrong. What if the housing market tanks, like we saw from 2007 to 2009? What happens then? What if interest rates spike in the left hole in the bag of your house, making it more expensive? What happens if you can't get a mortgage? Isn't Zillow taking a huge risk here? Sure, but you know what? These are stocks. There's always risk. That's the nature of the game. You probably won't want to own Zillow when the housing market slows down. It sure isn't right now. But for the moment, this is the hottest housing market in ages. Home values are appreciated double digits. The Fed's telling us they're going to keep rates low in order to generate job growth. To me, it sounds like the perfect time to own the Amazon of housing, and that's Zillow. Look, that's not an isolated example. I'm not cherry-picking. The great reshuffling produces fabulous ideas every day. When you're in a hybrid workplace model, some days in the office, most days working remotely from home, you can make your office a heck of a lot better and more pleasant with so speakers. Who doesn't want to listen, uh, go to the job, listen to the music they really love and a great sound system? Of course, there's more to the Sonos story. You can't just buy a stock because you like the product. You have to do the homework. But Sonos just reported a great quarter, record results, record guidance. Morgan Stanley's Katie Huberty, one of my favorite analysts, called it a Grammy-worthy quarter. App description. Some of the ideas can be more obscure. I know they don't lend themselves to the Easy homework. Last night, I started pushing the idea that our government should orchestrate a massive semiconductor foundry build-out to make up for the chip shortage, okay? You get job creation, secure an essential part of the supply chain for all sorts of vital products. I think you can put literally tens of thousands of people who work almost instantly. Who knows if Washington will listen? They probably won't to my, uh, my chip bond, but that's okay. The same chip shortage means somebody's going to build more foundries, which is fabulous for the semiconductor capital equipment makers. And that's why LAM and KLA 10 Corps. Applied materials, the ones I keep telling you about got caught fire. But here's what really matters, people. Ten months ago, a huge cohort of young investors found a strategy that works. They looked around for ideas, did the homework, bought stocks, they believed to make fortunes. That was the real revolution, people. That was the revolution. The one that let you throw off your index fund chains. Now, though, many of these same people are looking for get-rich-quick gimmicks, short-busting, running the pot stocks, running the celebrities' backs. These are incredibly short-term bets with vertical moves that are going to blow up in your face, as anyone who bought GameStop in the triple digits can tell you. Here's the bottom line. There are so many winners in this market that were absolutely gettable just by keeping your eyes open, your ears peeled, doing the homework, the methods that made you a killing. Go back to them. Ask yourself, do you really need to chase some bogus SPAC when SNL did a whole skit on Zillow this weekend and then the stock shut up 70 percent? I'm begging you, stick with what worked. Hit the next exit on the highway to the danger zone. Albert and Maryland, please. Albert. Hey, Jim,
4: Uh,
1: Dave and Buster's is almost back to pre-COVID levels, but I'm nervous that it recovered too fast. I bought in at $12. Should I stick with it or play that profit elsewhere? Um, I don't think it's
3: a bad. You know, look, there's only the competitors to the Dave and Buster's, frankly, didn't make it. That's what happened with COVID. So uh, the stock's up a lot. But I think you can go even higher because there's just not a lot of Dave and Buster's left. Not I mean the uh, their competitors. They're the last man standing. Mark in Ohio, please, Mark.
5: Yeah, We've been a 52 week high, and the sheer amount of copper that goes inside electric vehicles with recent upgrade from JP Morgan, the company's paying down its debt and it's retaking its dividend. What's your view on the copper king?
3: Freeport. Well, I, I do like it. It's had such a big move. And the one thing I really worry about is the Baltic Freight. Thank you, Matt Horwe, my writing partner. Baltic Freight's been rolling over, rolling over, rolling over. But this thing is still holding up in there. I think you got to give this one a breather before you buy Freeport. I like the kid stays in the picture. I, I want you to keep your eyes open. Do the homework like you were doing before the GameStop interregnum. It was working. Oh, man, buddy, tonight, Hormel just announced it's buying planters in a $3 billion deal. Oh, is it totally nuts? I'm talking with the CEO, I like this one. Then with Valentine's Day just around the corner, I'm carrying Match Group to the newly minted Bumble to find out which company could have you finding love in the market. And it's doubleheader. I'm sitting down with the CEO and CFO of maybe the greatest financial story of our time, PayPal, after their investor day, to find out what's ahead for the company. So stay with
6: Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question?
0: Visibility at indeed.com/slash madmoney. Just go to indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: You know, this has been an incredibly rough time for the packaged food stocks. I mean, who needs it when we're all getting vaccinated? But there's one that's been able to hold up and hold up well. It's Hormel Foods, which you know is the company behind Spam and Skippy Peanut butter, Applegate Organic Meats, big favorite and big favorite in our house, Genio Turkey. Last week, we learned that Hormel was in talks to buy the planter's nuts business from Kraft Heinz, which sent the stock up 5%. Get back some of those gains today when the deal was confirmed. It's a roughly $3 billion transaction. Could that be enough to give this stock some solid momentum at a time when packaged food space fallen out of style on The Wall Street Fashion Show? Let's check in with Jim Snee, the chairman and CEO of Hormel Foods. You get a better read on the Panthers deal. Mr. Sneed, welcome back to Mad Money.
1: Hey, Jim. Great to see you. Thanks for having us back. Well,
3: you know, Jim, I was doing some work on the big consumer packaged good stocks. And for, frankly, they've not been able to outperform the S&P 500, except for in the last 10 years, you. Total return to shareholders, both stock price and dividends, has been almost 18 percent compound annual growth rate, outpacing the S&P and peer, the other peer, peer, peer group. And I think some of that is because you are really a very disciplined acquirer. So tell us about this one, because I think it's the next big leg for Hormel.
1: Yeah, Jim, we we could not agree more. I mean, this is an exciting day for us. Um, You know, this is by far the biggest acquisition we've made in the history of our company. But, you know, it it keeps us on track. It maintains that discipline you described because it does four things for us. The first thing it does is it gives us another clear market leader. It gives us a billion-dollar brand, Mm -hmm. right? Planters is ubiquitous. The second thing it does is it further penetrates the snacking category. We've already got a great presence there with a number of different businesses, our Hormel Gatherings Party Trays, Holy Guacamole, Erdes Salsas. We've already got a significant snacking business, and this just expands it. The third thing it does is it further diversifies our portfolio. With this Planters business, 25% of our portfolio is now non-meat. So it keeps us Mm -hmm. diversified and balanced. And then the fourth thing that it does is it allows us to leverage our balance sheet in a continued disciplined and responsible way. With an effective purchase price of $2.8 billion, this is a great deal, and it checks all the boxes for us.
3: I couldn't agree more. Now, one of the things, Jim, uh, the company you uh, acquired it from has had just some difficulties in trying to maintain growth and also uh, spew enough cash to be able to pay dividend. There's some issues there. Do you think that you will have enough, even if you're, you, you lever it up here, to be able to expand the brand and advertise it better? Because they, it was really kind of lost in that melange they had at Kraft Heinz.
1: No, that's exactly right, Jim. Right? It, it's a matter of priority and focus. And this automatically becomes our biggest brand. And so it's clearly going to get the focus and the resources that it, that it needs. Um, you know, I think Kraft Heinz is a, is a great company. They've got some other great brands, but this one was kind of lost in the shuffle. And if you hearken back to our Skippy acquisition, there's a lot of similarities to that when it was in the, uni, the Unilever <laughs> family. So we're really excited about what our company can bring to planters. I was shocked to see you're picking up
3: a company that has 39 percent of the peanut market, 26 cashew, 26 mixed nut in the salty foods, which is by far, even if you looked at the Kellogg documents today, the fastest growing part of the entire supermarket.
1: Absolutely. You've got the clear market leader in a rapidly growing category. I mean, you can't ask for a better business than that. And now we plug that into our system this is exactly what we do, Jim. We know how to build brands. We are incredible brand stewards. Think about Spam. Think about Skippy. Think about Applegate. You know, we know how to innovate. Last year, 15% of our sales came from items that were created in the last five years. And this is, this is just what we do, and it's going to fit perfectly.
3: Now, in Ford 2019, we talk about uh, plant-based meat. I was speaking with the people at PepsiCo today. Yeah, they, they recognize, I mean, plant-based is just the vegan and plant-based category just on fire. You're going to continue to develop in that area, correct?
1: Yeah, we are. Um, one of the previous times you and I talked, we talked about what we were doing with happy little plants. right. And, um, I mean, we're probably more more focused today in the food service space. We think we've got a strong competitive advantage, especially in some categories like pizza toppings. But, again, you know, you think about the addition of planters as a non-meat item, and really that further diversification of our portfolio opens up a lot of doorways for us.
3: All right. And how are you doing in terms of putting people through school? Because you know that— That kind of priority is what makes it so that i know that people want to work for hormel and therefore you get better and better every year
1: Uh, we're doing great the inspired pathways program that you're talking about that we announced in august we've kicked that off we've had a a great response from our team members um and as i mentioned to you in august you know it's not just the application process but it's helping them navigate all the paperwork and we've got so many team members who want to help them out um we've been really really encouraged by the, uh, the response that we've seen so far, and, it, and it's going to lead to a great outcome, not only for the team members, but for the company and our communities.
3: Well, look, I want to uh, thank you for coming on and for thinking of us, because this acquisition is one that I couldn't believe was available, frankly. I always felt that this is one of those brands. My folks knew it. They're my grandparents, my kids, and we that's what we call it. We don't call it nuts. Where's the planners? Get the planners. There's not many brands that say get the planners. That's Ormel Foods, Chairman CEO, Jim Snead. Congratulations on a great acquisition, sir.
1: Thanks, Jim. Great to be with you. Yeah. We have money. It's
6: Coming up, a date with Wall Street. Bumble made its market debut today. Is it time for investors to make their move? Or should they ghost this deal? Kramer checks out the dating stocks just ahead.
3: We have had a ridiculous number of IPOs this year, haven't we? But so far, few of them compared to a very exciting one we had today called Bumble. That's the female-friendly dating app that just came public, and it was just spectacular. Stock price of $43 for surgery to close at $70 and change. Now, I was excited about this one in part because the only other pure play on online dating is Match Group. And that's been a massive winner. That's the parent of company of Tinder, along with a bunch of other matchmaking services that was spun off by IAC in late 2015. Since then, look at that. stocks up more than 1300 percent, just set a new all time high earlier today. So now we've got these two of these things. It's obvious what we have to do, right? We have to figure out which one's better match or Bumble. I know that teaching and learning can be a taxing thing when you're trying to bust GameStop, but we're going to demonstrate how professional money managers compare two stocks. So I want you to have access at least to their toolkit. So we're going to start with the basics. Match was originally Match.com, but now they've got a full suite of dating services, including the number one dating app. Tinder, and their faster grower, which is Hinge, okay? We've been a fan of this one for ages, even when it was still a subsidiary of IAC. But last summer, IAC finally sold the majority stake, and the stock hasn't skipped a beat. Now, you might think on a global pandemic, it would be bad for business, right? But matches held up surprisingly well, in part by rolling out new features like video. Got to believe that would get a major boost once we be fully open, right? Imagine the reopening. Millions of people who have been living in isolation for a year can suddenly date again. We talk about pent-up demand. How about Bumble? right, the twist with Bumble is that it's the app where women make the first move. After you match with someone, the woman has to initiate a conversation. Now, I am too old and too married to have any firsthand experience with this stuff. But that sure seems like, I don't know, a smart way to cut down on digital cat calling. Bumble's got an exciting story, too, like something out of a movie. I want to make this movie. Get this. The company was founded by Whitney Wolf Heard okay, when she was still in her early 20s after she left her marketing job at Tinder in a messy separation. Wolf Heard sued the company for sexual harassment and discrimination. They only reached a million dollar plus settlement, which suggests she had a good case. She keeps building out her platform, supposedly gets some takeover offers from Match, scorned. Then Match sues Bumble for patent infringement in a case that they settled last summer. Over the course of this, Bumble ends up being merged with... Badoo, which has a big presence in Europe and Latin America. Badoo's founder actually put up the money for Bumble. but Then he sold them both back to Blackstone in 2019 after some disturbing stuff came out that forced, forced him out of the industry. I'll just read you the Forbes headline, quote, sex, drugs, misogyny and sleaze at the HQ of Bumble's owner, end quote. The drama keeps coming. Blackstone combined Bumble with Badu, and now they're taking the business public with Whitney Wolford as its 31-year-old CEO. She is the youngest female CEO to orchestrate an IPO. Stock shoots up more than 64% on its first day of trading. How much do I love capitalism? F, roll credits. Somebody needs to write that screenplay. So how do Match and Bumble stack up against each other? All right, let's start with the big picture. That's how you do. You start at the top. Match has a big portfolio of brands, even if the bulk of its business still comes from Tinder. A few years ago, they bought Hinge, which I mentioned is the fastest grower, and it's aimed at people who are looking for serious relationships. They've also got a slower-growing cash generator, like uh, Our Time, which targets the 50-plus demographic. Glad I'm married. Bumble's more focused than Match. They've got just the two brands. Bumble, the app, is growing like a weed and accounted for 61% of the company's revenue last year, while Badu has slowed in recent years. That's a more traditional online dating service that's big overseas. The company needs to figure out how to breathe new life into Badu, or they just need to grow Bumble so much that the other brand becomes a negligible part of the business. Now, this would be an easier call, frankly, if it were just Bumble without the Badu, which, by the way, is pronounced like Scooby-Doo, Badu baggage. Bumble, by itself, is a great growth story with a genius hook. Bumble with Badu. I don't know, call it complicated. Now, Match and Bubble both have plans to expand online dating. Yesterday, Match shelled out $1.725 billion for HyperConnect. That's a South Korean video and audio chat company with an instant translation feature. Meanwhile, Bumble's got a platonic matchmaking service called Bumble BFF and a networking service, Bumble Biz. But they're both very small. And as Wilford explained on Squawk Allocated in an unbelievably good interview, uh, in the short term, she's focused on the dating business. Given the strength of this industry, I think she's got the right approach. How about the numbers, right? Then you go, you know, you've got the big thesis. And now we go down and we look at the micro numbers. In the most recent quarter, Match had nearly 11 million paying subscribers. That's up 12 percent year over year. The bulk of those on Tinder. As for Bumble, they had 2.5 million paying users at the end of last year, up from a little over 2 million the year before. Now, both companies have what we call a freemium business model. That's where the basic services cost nothing. But then people pay up for additional functionality, traditional and time-honored winning model. Bumble may be smaller, but it's also faster growing. And that's what matters in this market. It had nearly 36 percent revenue growth in 2019, the last normal year, which only slowed to a little under under 34 percent in 2020. Match grew at 19 percent clip in 2019, 17 percent clip last year. By the same token, Match is more profitable, but their margins have been flat for the past few years. You know we like expanding margins in have money. Bumble's still putting up negative earnings, even though their earnings for interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization are positive, and the margins are moving rapidly in the right direction. Putting it all together now, okay, the big difference here is that Match is further along in its life cycle as a business, so the growth is therefore slower while the earnings are higher. Bumble now is where Match was a few years ago. Which do we prefer? It may have money. Can't really make a decision until we talk valuation. Match trades at 16 times this year's sales estimates. Remember, not earnings, but sales. That makes it expensive, okay, for a company that's growing only at 17% clip. People are paying up because they expect the numbers to explode once we reopen. Meanwhile, if Bumble can simply maintain its growth rate, it shouldn't be too hard once we reopen. Then the stock sells for roughly 17 times sales. Again, expensive. Remember, we like earnings. But let's when you compare these two, you can tell that faster growth same price sales, not bad. In other words, they look very similar on to a price-to-sales basis, even though Bumble's growing twice as fast as Match. So, which is better? Now, this is about suitability. The bottom line is, if you're a real growth-oriented investor, then Bumble is certainly the way to go. Even after today's incredible run, it's, it is the superior growth stock. No wonder people are so excited about it. But if you've got a more cautious approach to the market, and you still want an online dating stock in your portfolio, Match is the way to go. They're both great companies. I think they have tremendous numbers in the second half. They just fill different roles in your portfolio. I need need to go to Henry in New Jersey, please. Henry.
5: Hi. Um, For your viewer, an extremely excited first-time caller. Thank you for taking my call. Oh, fantastic. I have been a satisfied customer of Qualtrics for about five years now and was really interested when they went public as XM, which stands for Experience Management, just a couple weeks ago, but the stock hasn't done much. And I'd like your thoughts on Qualtrics as an investment and also what you think about it for the long term versus another relatively recent IPO, Snowflake.
3: Well, I have to tell you, Snowflake is one of my absolute favorites. Uh, that's Frank Slootman. I know it's the most expensive stock in the stock market, and I don't care. It's got superior growth and will have it for a very, very long time. I am not as familiar enough to be able to opine, frankly, on Qualtrics, but I, you did – I was actually thinking about doing a piece again about Frank and, and how Snowflake is the best in show. Can we go to Saul in New York, please? Saul.
7: Hey, Jim. How's it going? Um, it's a good
3: day, Saul. So Thank my, you. How about you?
7: Great, great. Thank you for having me. Um, and so my question –
3: is related to the pet industry. Sure. Um, as you know, there's a ton of new pet owners. Everywhere you look, there's a dog. Um, I agree. And so, I'd love to hear what your perspective is on the new IPO launched by Petco, and if you think
5: it's a good stock to pick up.
3: I happen to really like it. Now, I interviewed the CEO when it came public. I felt like I was a little bit alone when it came public that in terms of my enthusiasm for it because I see what they're doing. They are going to go head, with, head to head with Chewy, and they also have some great private label stuff. And what it makes me like it is because it's a healthcare company. Healthcare for pets is one of the greatest businesses in the world because it's cash pay. I think it's a great stock to own for the long term. All right, guys, listen both Bumble and Match, we can put them head to head. These are really great companies. But if you're looking for hyper growth, Bumble is the way to go. Matches is a more cautious approach. Much more mad money, including my exclusive, one of my absolute favorite companies. You know that PayPal, after is Investor Day. The company is targeting 750 million accounts by 2025. He may be conservative. What can it do to get there? I'm talking with the bankable CEO and CFO. Then, as a very lucky early vaccinator, I'm revealing my list of jab stocks that could be worth owning as the vaccine rollout continues. And all your calls, rapid fire, tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with kramer
6: coming up the tectonic shift to digital payments is already at your doorstep but will paypal's move into cryptocurrency drive growth or make this stock a bumpy ride kramer's got the ceo next
3: 12 months have been absolutely incredible for PayPal, the Kramer fay payments play that I've been recommending literally since before eBay spun it off in 2015. Started trading around 40, it's now 285. After more doubling last year. More than doubling. But now PayPal's a huge company with a $330 billion market cap, bigger than every major bank other than J.P. Morgan, so it can't maintain its momentum. Earlier today, the company held an investor meeting where management unveiled some very bullish long-term targets. PayPal wants to double active accounts by 2025 while tripling total payment by growing revenues at a 20% annual clip. Management thinks they can get there by becoming your digital wallet and rolling out new products like buy now, pay later, along with more tools for in-store payments and even cryptocurrency payments, along with investments. Wow, we got to talk about that. I want you to get the same pitch the professionals heard. So let's check in with Dan Schulman, the PayPal's president and CEO, and John Rainey, the CFO and executive vice president of global operations. Gentlemen, welcome back to Mad Money.
7: It's great Dan, to be here, Jim. Hey, Dan, Jim, before we out. start off, I yep. know I'm one day late but I have to say happy birthday to you. And I would sing happy birthday to you, but I don't want your ratings to go down. So just let's <laughs> no, let it you're
3: Well, I will come back and tell you that your 29-minute speech today was spellbinding. I watched it twice. Bidding in, stopped at 20 minutes. We're going to talk about that in a second because that's where you know at 20 minutes and 30 seconds you dropped the word stocks. But you use the word trust over and over, and that's what you've done. I've decided that's how this happened. Not the app, not the convenience, not the greatness, not the bits. Trust, foundational trust. That's how you're going to get to the double, isn't it?
7: Well, I think the most important thing we have as a financial services and as a tech company is the strength of our brand. Um, And that brand revolves around Security. It revolves around protecting people's privacy. Uh, It involves, as you know, Jim, standing up for our values all the time as well. And that we do that consistently. And that lends this brand trust. And trust is everything in today's digital uh, environment that we all live in.
3: I think that... uh First of all, I really want everyone to read it. It's, it's, it's a great speech. It, it's on online, it's YouTube, and it's fantastic. But, John, one of the things that was really incredible to me in terms of what trust means and translates with the numbers, you're the numbers guy, is that people want to do it with PayPal. And if it's not with PayPal, they're much less likely to do a transaction.
5: It's so true, Jim. And, and I think, as we said in earlier today, like fundamental to the forward guidance that we gave is this belief that digital trends are going to continue, that cash displacement is going to continue. I said earlier today, among the many things that I look forward to after the pandemic, going to an ATM machine is not one of them. And so Mm -hmm. we we fundamentally believe these trends are going to continue and that people are going to gravitate towards digital wallets. We believe in the ascendancy of digital wallets, and we're putting one out there that we think is best in class.
3: Well, what you said, uh, uh, John, about the digital wallet, it's so true. We have 40 apps. We use seven. Uh, we don't like most of our apps, and we want them consolidated. We want them consolidated in a simple, clean atmosphere where there are thousands of compliance people who are actual asset for you, aren't they?
5: So true. It's so true. And, you know, as we talked earlier about today, like, people are just are, are moving in this direction. We believe that if you look at some of the experiences that we launched over the, the last year, We see a much higher level of engagement when when we provide those kind of experiences. So we're really just following the consumer here.
3: Well, Dan, we we talk about mission values. And you know what? There's some banks they've taken 200 years to get to where they are, and they're not trusted. 150 years, 100 banks that were associated with Hamilton. Banks that were associated with the first national bank. Dan, it, it doesn't work. You have explained that because it's not associated with the customer. You are about protecting the customer. And that's a simple thing. But how have you been able to stay that way?
7: Well, I think, Jim, one of the um, advantages we have is the amount of data um, that we process through our system. You know, at a minimum, we're processing 30,000 transactions a minute. Um, That's at a minimum during the holiday period. We were doing a thousand transactions per second. So that spins off a tremendous amount of data. And we use that data to look at every single element of a transaction. In fact, Jim, before you do a PayPal or Venmo transaction, we go over 130 different checks to make sure that that's you. To make sure that that transaction is valid. And we do those 130 checks in less than one third of a second. And it's those kinds of things that, that give trust to a brand. One, the product works as you expect it will right. work. Two, it's easy to understand. And three, we protect you, we protect your privacy, and we protect you. Uh, from fraudulent transactions. And I think those things, along with all the great customer service that John and his team do, uh, are things that we're just going to leverage on because the world is a leapfrogging into this new digital era. And as we all know, what is so important as we start to move more and more of our lives to digital platforms is that you can trust that digital platform, that you know they're going to make sure your privacy is secure and that all of your data and information is secure.
3: You are a technology democracy mission led uh, app company values that at 20 minutes and 36 seconds said that, you know what, we want to be in investments. There are people, millions of people, millions. I have them on Twitter. We see them. They are aggrieved. They feel like maybe it wasn't democracy that they've been involved in. They just feel like they've been involved in an app. Can you create a site that the 20 million people I know, young people, trust PayPal? Can you create a site or do you have to buy a site to make it so that these people can have honest, hardworking people behind them, making sure that things clear and clear faster and they know what's in their account? Because trust is broken, Dan. It's broken.
7: Yep. Uh, I mean, I think you raise a bunch of really good points, Jim. Um, I think in many ways, trust is broken in a lot of places, but that isn't the case uh, with our brand. In fact, our brand trust is accelerating. It's because we try in a very consistent way to do the right things. We, we think about our role uh, in society. You know, we think about what we do with our employees. We put our employees first. We make sure that they have financial health, uh, that they can feel financially secure. We operate within our communities, within our economy, within our democracy. And we take that role very, very seriously. And, uh, And we try to live up to it every single day. And I think if you look at the way we went into crypto, we tried to do that in a very responsible way. We tried to make it simple and easy for people to understand what they're doing when they get in there. We gave tutorials so that people would have education uh, and would understand what it means to buy, sell, and hold uh, crypto. And then we put limits around some of it as well so that people could, you know, ease their way into it before we start to ease some of those limits um, even more. And so we really approach everything from a customer-centric perspective. Mm -hmm. And as we go into investing and democratizing more and more forms of assets, um, you can count on us to come on that from a customer first perspective. That is the way we are always going to be. It's the way we've always been. uh, And it is just part of our ethos. I
3: know it's yours. And that leads me to get to John, because, John, you guys are the savviest about crypto of anybody I deal with. Do you think that a percentage of your cash should be kept in crypto as just a very good cash management tool? Or is it the type of thing that John Rainey wants to help customers with, but doesn't necessarily think it's it's aspirational for PayPal?
5: The thing that we want to do, Jim, that we think is best for PayPal is really invest our money in, in types of companies that provide complementary assets to our platform that help us grow in areas where we see opportunity and so you know we're not going to invest corporate cash uh, probably in, in sort of financial assets like that, but we want to capitalize this this growth opportunity that's in front of us We outlined today the tremendous addressable market that we see in front of us right now And the types of services that we're providing like buy now pay later crypto as an example even offline QR code Those those are the types of things that we want to continue to invest in be it Organically or even inorganically when we see opportunities in the ecosystem
7: I, want now, if I-, I can build on that Jim sure sure did last year We grew our free cash flow by 48% (laughs) to uh, $5 billion. What we said is by 2025, uh, we're going to be generating $10 billion of free cash flow each and every year. What John just said, though, I think is really important is we want to use that cash. We want to use our balance sheet as a strategic weapon that may be returning cash uh, to shareholders. And it may be through acquisitions, but every one of those dollars matter to us, and we really take our um, capital allocation quite seriously. But we're going to be a consolidator in this industry, and there's so much opportunity. You can, well, you and we want to make sure that we, we, have want, we want your fast to clearing stocks.
3: You talked about fast clearing stocks. You said stocks clear too slow; they clear like checks. We want to we want to trade on PayPal instantly and have trust in our accounts for stocks. Can you do that for us?
7: You can. Yeah. So, Jim, everything we're trying to go and do right now um, is we're trying to take advantage of the digital architecture that we've invested hundreds of millions of dollars into. So we want things to be instantaneous. Yes. We want things to be tokenized so they're secure. Yes. And everything we go into, the faster you can complete a transaction, the faster you can be sure that uh, your money can be in your account, um, the better off consumers are. And that, again, is something that we try very hard uh, to move towards. Again, much right. of the system today is antiquated. We need to work with regulators. We need to work with central banks and governments to upgrade uh, the infrastructure that we have. That's why we're investing so much in this new business unit around blockchain, digital currencies and crypto. It's because right. I really do believe that we're going to come to an era in the next three to five years in which we'll upgrade that infrastructure. And the things that you're talking about, instantaneous, secure transactions that are at a low cost, will be available to everybody. All
3: right. Well, we're going to have to wrap it up now. But uh, once again, tour de force. The, tr- the fact that you emphasize trust, not democ- democracy, not clean app, not this, trust, compliance, protective, it made me feel that you guys are doing a- the mission that you laid out to me five years ago when I was out there. Congratulations for on a fantastic analyst day. That is Dan Schulman and John Rainey, CEO and CFO PayPal. Stay with Kramer.
6: Coming up. It
3: is time.
6: Kramer takes your calls. Rapid fire. The lightning round is next.
3: It is time. It's time for the lightning round. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? It's time for the lightning round. I'm going to start with Gary in Ohio. Gary. Hey, Jim. Happy
2: belated birthday.
3: Oh, you're very kind. Thank you. Hey, uh... Jim,
7: I bought uh, XL Fleet up around 24, 25. Uh, I'm in it pretty big, deep, and uh, now I'm underwater. Well, I, just- I mean, it's electric vehicle.
3: It's one of the better ones. You know, post, when the life cycle of these things are, once they go back down, it takes a lot of catch fire. You don't have to wait for the quarter. But it's a—it's it's one of the better the ones that they brought. How about William in Michigan? William. Hi, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. I watched your show a couple of days ago regarding SPACs, and I really appreciate your insight about the similarities to the dot-com era. Yes. The stock I'm calling about is currently a SPAC scheduled to complete its merger during the first half of the year. With the target company already generating $100 billion in transactional volume, what do you think of
1: BFC eventually trading as k That's
3: Foley's. Foley. We have to have him on. What can I say? I mean— yeah, because look, I'm a workday guy. I, that's how I recommend in that space. Uh, you can say that's that's who I do. So I have to I have to learn that story better. Uh, let's go to Joe in California, please. Joe. Hey Jim, hope you had a good birthday yesterday. That was excellent. Thank you for saying that. Thank you. I'm in my mid twenties and looking for long term positions in innovative tech companies yes. that can still be bought at fair valuations. Mm-hmm. What do you think of What do you think of InterDigital? Ticker I- you know, it's, interesting. It's, it's always cheap, and it does well. It's been a growing. It's a good—it always looks like it's like the you know it's like a boring Qualcomm or something, but it's a very good company. I like your idea. It's in, from the Philly area. Let's go to um, uh, to Mo in New York, please, Mo. Booyah, Jim. How you doing, buddy? Having a good day. How about you, Mo?
5: I'm a short-time—I'm doing great. I'm a short-time listener. My friend put me on to you, and I'm a huge fan, Jim. Oh,
3: thank you. Thank you. I hope— I hope you're doing uh, better with your recovery. Yes, I am. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for asking, and I am. I, I, you know, knock wood. What's up?
5: Awesome. I wanted to ask you about Super Symbol AQB. They are a company that breeds their own sa- salmon um, in an environment. Yes. Uh,
3: yes. It's a little guy company. I mean, this is, look, well, this is one of these boutique companies I love Devlin, okay? It's like they just did a deal, um, they just did an offering of stock. It's working. It's had a nice little gain. Uh, it's interesting to me. Let's go to Celeste in New York. Please, Celeste. Jim, this is Celeste, husband Michael, wishing you a hearty and a healthy booyah. There you go. I like that. What guy brought his A game. What's going on?
4: So,
6: first, I'd like to say happy birthday. Thank oh, you. Beautiful birthday cake. I loved it. Wasn't it amazing? It's from
3: um, Tariel, New Jersey. Really fantastic.
6: It was beautiful. And then I'd like to get to my question, which is, I've owned Tyson food since I bought it at 90, right before the pandemic. Uh, and now it's just been suffering at 65, and I'm rooting for it. Because you know,
3: I am, too. You know what? I dumped on those guys, I admit. I don't know if my travel trust, they got completely just burned. And I am hoping they pull it off, you know, because they are about to report. They, they have been, They, you know, if you Google inconsistent, you're going to see their name. Um, but there they are. They did report. I'm sorry. That was my bad. And what I say is that I will have to digest the quarter. Um... Because it is so on the fly that I didn't get to do it today, and I apologize. But it is—it's um, a problematic story. I like Hormel, I like branded. I like Better, and they'll say they're branded, but I just really feel that what that with the powers of that company is too commodity. Let's go to Thomas in Florida, please, Thomas.
6: Booyah, Mr. Kramer! Booyah. For for my call. What's going on? I've been—I've search- been searching for an EV play that hasn't gone to the moon yet. And I have an industrial that does business in several sectors with a PE ratio that's in the low 50s. Okay. I wanted to get your thoughts on Sensata Technology.
3: Uh, it's very good. I mean, it's a component company. It's a straight-out component company that does a very good job. Doesn't get nearly enough talk about. It's just consistent and good. Thank you for bringing it to our attention. Again, I apologize to the Tyson. I was out of touch this morning getting my stitches. And did not getting my stitches out and did not get to follow the quarter. And that, and it feels good, by the way. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the
6: lightning round. The lightning round is sponsored by TG Ameritrade. Coming up, how will consumers change as more Americans get vaccinated? Kramer eyes some trends that could make you money when that Money returns.
3: What goes through your mind when you get that second jab as that delicious, clear liquid surges through the top of your arm and winds away through your fun starved brain? Just to be clear, I'm talking about the vaccine. This is mad money, not naked lunch. But the sense of relief was so palpable, I can't describe it any other way. Your first reaction when you get this, you want to go somewhere. You want to see your relatives. You want to take a trip. You want to flee the nest. I know I'm only one person. So this is all anecdotal. But I walked out of that 24-hour vaccination tent on Staten Island yesterday feeling entirely liberated. And a liberated person does not want to sit at home all day waiting for the food to be delivered. When you are liberated, you want to go out to dinner. My immunized brain says it's time to hit the pause button on Uber Eats or DoorDash or Grubhub. I like Uber's numbers last night, and unlike the others, it's got a nice ride-sharing business. But the food delivery side of the business is going to hit a wall as more of us get vaccinated. Plus, the company's still losing fortunes, and the only real leverage in the business model comes from self-driving cars. I don't see them yet, do you? Second thought that goes through your brain, see the world. As long as you haven't been living hand-to-mouth, you want to take the money that you saved up from sitting at home for the last year and spend it on a trip. And that's why I keep recommending Disney, which just reported a much, much better than expected quarter right after the close. Even though so many of its businesses have been crushed by COVID, they pivoted to streaming and now they have an astounding 95 million subscribers. Insane. Imagine how well they'll do when we can go theaters, parks, cruises. It's why I like Boeing so much, because once people start flying again, there won't be enough planes to meet all the pent-up demand. On top of that, I think that President Biden's quiet diplomacy with China will likely be greeted with big capital goods orders. And when foreign governments want to reward American politicians, they buy from Boeing. This is a company that directly or indirectly employs 2 million people in this country and spilled to the ground to maximize its political clout. In short, when the president makes nice with China, which I'm telling you he is, they'll buy lots of stuff that creates jobs over here. Of course, the dark side of making nice with China is that their government has a long history of going all in on unfair trade practices. And that's why I mostly supported Trump's trade war. Say what you want about the guy. He recognized that the PRC is a rapacious, capitalist competitor and did everything he could to make business move their operations elsewhere. That's That's no longer the policy, though. I think the trade situation, I think it's going to revert to the old status quo. That's good for select businesses, good for American consumers who want cheap stuff, but very bad for anyone who works in the increasingly large number of industries that are being targeted by the Chinese government and wiped out here. Boeing's one of the few select businesses that benefits. So my trade policy takeaway is you've got to buy BA. Final vaccine observation. I saw Carnival had to raise even more debt today, but they were able to borrow $3.5 billion at an absolutely astounding low 5.75%. Against what? Oh, why not? They'll do fine when we reopen. Of the cruise lines, Norwegian has the best balance sheet. Prank Del Rio, buy it. Is Moderna doing strange things in my head? Is that what's happening? Well, it sure is. As an early vaccinator, I'm betting that you can make money from these strange things, though, provided you do them before everyone else gets the job. I like to say there's always a bull market summer. and I promise i defend it just for you right here on of Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now.
4: If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is,
2: I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there.
3: Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak.
4: Then this is your sign to call text or chat 988 for free confidential support anytime you
5: don't have to hide how you feel